Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host, Matthew Bartlett, the founder and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. Well, this is a serious case of deja vu, right down to almost the <laughs> score exactly. Like, the only yeah. difference here was that Rice went second in overtime this time. Uh, so this time their opponent kicked the extra point when they scored a touchdown on the first possession of overtime. So it was 31 to 24 instead of just 30 to 24. And then Rice had the missed extra point in the UAB game on that 30 to 24 finish. So, Oh my God, I didn't even think about that. It had been in oh yeah. the week before that. Holy crap. Yeah. Rice has basically played the same game three times in a row. And won one of them. And if you if you had to pick one that you would have liked them to win, that probably would have been the one. Yeah. But, but by golly. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, that's where we're at. Uh, we haven't reminded y'all in a little. Please do take a moment to uh, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, tell any any fellow Rice fans that just need someone. This is our this is our talk therapy to, to, to kind of process. Yeah, just like chat it out with us. <laughs> so if you need somebody that will talk Rice football to you and with you. We're here. Uh, I don't. Are there any? Is there anybody else, Carter? We are. Maybe not. I feel like I we've, we've cornered the market at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and every week we show up. Sometimes we want to. Sometimes we might be less enthused. Um, this is probably one of those times. <laughs> uh, yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. So. Overtime again. And I know Rice lost the overtime game to Middle Tennessee last year. Um, and they lost an overtime game to Louisiana Tech. And now I'm reaching back. Was that 2019? Yes. Uh, is Rice, is that it? Is Rice 0-4 in overtime under Bloomgren? Uh, yeah, I, I am struggling to recall a win here. <clears throat> Just get rid of overtime. Make it a draw. Yeah, no. I think I'd rather be, uh, you know, 3-3-2, three, three and two, uh, or what, 3-4-2, and two, I guess, is a uh, not exactly a satisfying record, but it's better than 3-3-6. Uh, three and three and six. Yeah. Not, I mean, it's, man, it's, it's crazy because the, the, the old, the, uh, you know, adage of the ball bouncing the wrong way, <laughs> being a play away. Um, but so many times um, is frustrating. I think I think the coaching staff can and has uh, shouldered a good amount of um, blame from uh, there's some decision making in this one that was just kind of um, head scratching. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought a lot. And that's what was challenging because I thought of the the bulk of I was looking at, at just at the box score. Uh, Rice had 468 total yards, um, averaged 5.1 yards per carry, uh, 253 yards uh, through the air, and no uh, no turnovers in regulation. You tell me all of those things, I'm like that's that's a good day for the Rice offense. I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah, when was the last time they had? Uh, 
400 that many yards against an FBS team. As in, uh, not including the did, Texas Southern game this year. Did they I say, did they get that high against Southern Miss? Uh, I didn't think so. And like, it wasn't just it like empty. It's not like they ran a billion plays. They ran like 70 something plays and averaged over six yards a play. So like, it's kind of frustrating that like, I don't know, they had 24 points, which is not great. Although they're now in a streak of three straight games of 24 plus points, which uh, I don't know that that's happened before in the blueprint era. Oh, well uh, actually hold the phone. I'm I'm digging now. 468 total yards of offense. That's the highest yardage total by a Mike Bloomberg coach team at Rice. Again, yeah, against an FCS. That's an really good. Uh, yeah, the, they got more against Southern, Texas Southern. But I think that was that that might literally have been the only F- FBS or FCS. That might have been the only time they got 620 against uh, Texas Southern. But I'm not seeing. I'm looking through game logs. They didn't crack 500 in any of their other games as well. I mean, Prairie View they got 397. Um, yeah. So highest yardage total. And I mean, what in overtime did they lose a yard? Like uh. maybe it was one run for nothing. Um. Yeah. No, they gained two yards. Ah, there we go. Okay, so yeah, but I'm uh, still. Uh, it's hard to look at that, and you know, our 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 biggest not our biggest gripe, but one of the gripes, and I would certainly advocate to throw the football more because they weren't running very well. Uh, and then Ari Broussard turned into, uh, I don't think a a man possessed. Twenty yeah. carries, one hundred eighty six yards. Two touchdowns, nine point three yards per carry. Um, it it was the difference between watching him run behind the same offensive line and anybody else. Jordan Myers was seven for eighteen in this game. Uh, granted, he had some of the short yardage ones, so you can excuse yeah, a little bit of that. The average bit, but there was a sequence in the fourth quarter uh, where Rice got the ball with four minutes left. First play of that drive. Uh, Broussard chunks a, a 17 yard gain. Um, and I guess he, he had a, had a tweak or something with his, his, uh, ankle or knee or something and, and immediately subbed out, uh, and Kalen Griffin came on and then a couple short runs and Rice had to punt. Um, I'm not saying that Rice would have won the game had Ari Broussard not had to come off the field in that sequence, but given he was averaging 9.3 yards per carry, Against some heavy boxes, you it it wasn't a good break for Rice. Yeah, no. I'm trying to real quick do a tally here, but like even as you know, they ran the ball much better than they had, um, even despite us wanting them to throw it a lot more. I'm just going through here right now and trying to tally up. First of all, they ran it 35 times and or sorry, passed it 35 times and ran it 42 times, which uh, is much more balanced than they have tended to be. Um, And I'm just going through and trying to tally right now. I don't think I will complete this whole exercise. Um, (laughs) Depends on how much uh, I have to say. During, Uh, yeah, if you've got some time to fill, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to tally 
how many times they ran and uh, passed on first down. And I'm like into the second quarter here and it's like pretty even. And I think even it tilting a bit even. towards passing. Um, so I, I think they listen to us like it's, it, you know, these coaches are not stupid. Um, they have recognized that in general, the, the the throwing the ball has worked better for them than running the ball has. And it showed in the way they called this game. And what do you know? It led to one of the best offensive performances, you know, just in terms of moving the ball. Yeah. Uh, that they've had in under this coaching staff. So, um, yeah, Jake Constantine, 19 for 35, 253 yards. That uh, completion percentage there is 54%. So I guess his worst game as a Rice starter from a, a efficiency standpoint. Uh, but watching this game, I, I didn't really have much concern with how he was playing. I thought no. uh, their Rice receivers had a couple drops that were uh, unfortunate. August Pete dropped a touchdown pass on well, the Rice's last drive of the second quarter. Um that was particularly painful. Um, it, he got hit it, like and pushed, but it hit, hit the ground and the ball popped up. So he had possession to the ground in the end zone. And I was like, ah! <laughs> that might have changed the outlook of the game a little bit. Um, but So, yeah, shoot. if you if you told us that Rice would put together that performance on offense, both like a solid passing <laughs> performance, their best rushing performance of the season – and uh, then on defense, they would hold them to 2.4 yards a carry, get um, four sacks, six TFLs. Um, you would have felt pretty good about that. And, hey, if you were watching this game, I don't know, like early in the fourth quarter or so, uh, maybe you would have felt pretty good about it. But, uh, you know, they went up, what, 24 to 14 at one point late mm -hmm. in the game. And uh, you would have felt pretty good about that. But <laughs> and, didn't and aside, Yeah, and aside there, um, I went back and I was kind of reviewing my notes. I did a, a short feature on Jake Bailey that went up on the site on uh, what would have been Friday before the game. Um, and I went back to some notes I'd taken during media days for Rice in what's that, end of August, beginning of September. And Jordan Myers said verbatim about Jake Bailey, called him an even better replacement for Austin Trammell. Um, and I was like, OK, Austin Trammell was really good. He's currently in the NFL. That's a pretty bold statement that I didn't really think anything of at the time because everyone says that in the preseason, right? Like everyone's yeah. the greatest ever. Uh, well, I went back and looked. Uh, Austin Trammell's uh, career best receiving day in his four-year Rice career was 143 yards, which he did against Southern Miss in, in 2020. Well, Jake Bailey had 143 yards exactly against North Texas last week. You know how many yards he had this week against Charlotte? 143. So he has now... Yeah, he has now hit the one. And I'm not saying that's magical and that makes him as good or better than Austin Tramwell. They're very different players. But, uh, you know, like we have a guy that can consistently go go seven for 10 for 143. And uh, that will get the job done. Yeah, like 
no concerns on offense at all. It, it, it's kind of it's wild to me that the I guess on the field, the biggest deficiency for Rice was the defense. And I, I, I want to clarify a little bit. I thought the front seven looked as good in this game as they had all year. Um, yep. Might not have been their best game, but all together between the linebacking core and the defensive line, they got a lot of pressure. Antonio Montero, I almost thought killed Chris Reynolds on the hit that he had to yeah. force the fumble. That was vicious. And then Desmond Baker catches it midair and just starts sprinting. I'm like, I almost thought he could have taken it all the way. Would have been nice. But uh, yeah, I mean, front seven was great. The, the safety play, I think, in particular, I've been pretty, pretty content with how the corners have done. I think the safeties, it's just something's not working. Yeah. Um, like the story of if you were to identify, break it down into four basic components of the game of pass offense, rush offense, pass defense, and rush defense, uh, the area where Rice lost this game was pass defense. Um, Chris Reynolds was 20 for 29 for 292 yards, 10 yards in attempt, and three touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, and that's, that's where they made their money. That's where Rice lost this game. Yeah. And it was wild because Victor Tucker, I don't remember exactly when it was, but it was fairly early in the game, maybe first quarter or second quarter, uh, left the game, uh, had an injury and, and I don't think he returned. And so Victor Tucker wasn't a all conference guy uh, a couple years ago. And uh, instead, with their one of their two or three best receivers off the field, you had uh, Dubose, who's the the guy from well, I get uh, Miles College D two, who kind of broke on the stage in their upset against Duke earlier this year, and then uh, Spencer, who had the the touch to send it the touchdown to send it to overtime, uh, not their you know top guy that was able to do all the damage. And that was kind of partially what was frustrating about it, because whenever Reynolds had time to throw, he he made some good throws and found guys open and they kind of moved the chains. So. I don't know what I and this is the part that's confusing. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm just looking at the, the box score now and, and cringing like Rice even Rice even pass blocked well in this game, like Charlotte had one sack and three hurries. O-line was good. D-line was good. Rice ran the ball well, threw the ball well. They did it. I th I feel like they did a decent job when it came to the rush defense. I think Shadrick Bird had had the one long run. I think he was off the edge for 44 yards. But other than that, uh, six for 10. Uh, so one explosive run and then everybody, the rest of the Charlotte offense, even with that explosive run, uh, averaged 2.4 yards per carry. Like, I don't know. It, that was the, the confusing part. And then I think uh, the other piece that is missing here that we haven't talked about yet is the special teams. Holy moly. Like. Yeah. yeah. I, so Rice misses a field goal in this game, and I, I thought the process 
this is the, the the kind of the gripe I have because Bloomgren always talks about process, right? And kind of having things mapped out ahead of time and never getting too high or too low or kind of falling to emotions. So Rice goes for it on fourth and short and gets it. And this is early on in the game. And then they're facing a fourth and one to set up, I guess it would have been like a 35-yard field goal. Or something like that. Yeah. And they've already, so they've already converted a fourth and short on that drive. And mind you, this, at this point, Rice has converted, uh, a, was it 10 for 10 or 11 10, for 10? Yeah, I, it would have been yeah, 10 for been, 10 at that point. Yeah, 10 for 10 on fourth down. Not, which is not to say you're guaranteed to get the next one, but shoot. But it's I don't, not like it was a fourth and four or a fourth and seven. It was a fourth and one. And, like there have been problems in recent weeks with the whole like not just Van Sickle to put it all on him, but like the the whole kind of field goal battery. Like I think he specifically talked about this week in the press conference, right, Bloomgren, that there were problems yeah. with like the holding and the the snapping. So yeah. like I don't know why you put that on your kicker in that moment on a fourth Which, and if one. If you think about it, makes it worse, right? Like if yeah. it's just your kicker missing, you're like, that stinks. He needs to be better. If you have all three aspects of the guy snapping, the guy holding, and the guy kicking not doing well, then you're taking a a lower percentage. So at that point, you got to think that Rice's con- Rice's chance of converting a fourth and one in that scenario has got to be like conservatively like seventy percent like being super conservative, like if they've just yeah. done in in a row, like 70% feels pretty good. Uh, kicking a field goal, if you're just looking at what Van Sickle has done to that point, was no better than a coin flip. Yeah, I, I don't know why you're, like, it's not like it was a chip shot. Like, you'd love to have, like, I think every college program at any time, the what you want from a kicker is, like, hit the vast majority of them inside 40 feet or sorry, inside 40 yards, like 40 feet. I sure hope so. (laughs) Um, But obviously like that's a fairly high standard for college kickers. Like, and that's not one that rice has really gotten to this year, whether it's been Van Sickle or the, the snapping and holding. So I don't know why it's not like this was a 17 yarder straight up the gut or something. It was a 35 yarder. This was not an automatic. This was not even a, like, wow, it would be a surprise if he missed this type of thing. Like, this was a, a... yeah, yeah. I, I just don't, I, I don't get it. I don't get yeah. that one at all. So I was in, and I, I am, I'm not going to be the one who, like, the, the play calling critique, I feel like is so overblown because, yeah, yeah it matters in you know, one play can decide a game. Let's let's be honest. This is college football. But like by and by and large, like it kind of washes out. I yeah, think. and and you never like even that, like you don't know if they score on that drive. And even if they do, like it doesn't like that was so early in the game that you can't just say, like, oh, if they had gone for that, they would have like I am in general not a person who says that any one play in any circumstance decides the game because there are always like more opportunities to make that back and yeah. stuff like so, that. But, but my, my gripe there was, was kind of the process piece because at that point they missed that field goal. And then I don't know if you kind of noticed this watching the game, but it felt like anytime rice was between 
like the 43 and like the 28 yard line and plus territory, they were going for it. It was it was fourth and anything reasonable. Yeah, it felt like there was no possible thought that Rice was going to attempt a field goal in that game that was longer than 35 yards and maybe even shorter. The one field goal they did convert was from 25. Yeah. Um, and so like, if this one had been that close or if it had been a couple of years, even fourth and three, like I would say like, OK, that's one where you can't just line up all the big bodies and hope to fall forward like I, I in that circumstance i can totally understand like okay we don't want to give them great field position here we can take the points like that's fine but it was fourth and one yeah i and, and the, the the biggest thing for me is the the ripple effect of Missing that field goal, it always feels like right at the beginning of the game where Rice has missed some of these field goals. I know that a couple of them that's not been the case, but uh, historically Rice has had some early field goal. It's when they the opening drive or the beginning of the first quarter, they drive down the field and they settle for three that they don't get it. I feel I just maybe that yep. those instances yep. are, are scarred into my memory. But that and then it was the it just kind of felt like. I mean, it was the, the offense was good, like we talked about it, but it kind of felt very uncomfortable when when they got in that that little area of the field, almost a, a nervousness of, man, I hope we don't not get this because then we're going to have to kick a field goal, um, which I mean, you saw an actually rice connection to a two weeks ago. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, who were they playing? Was it the Browns? I think it might have been the Browns. But Chris Boswell, former Rice kicker, uh, mm -hmm. attempted a fake field goal and <laughs> got hit so hard uh, that he was knocked out of the game at that point. And it was the first or second quarter when that happened. And because he was out, the Steelers didn't have another player that they trusted to kick field goals or extra points. So for the remainder of that game, an NFL game, the Steelers just didn't kick at all. Yeah. They went for two, like they went for it on fourth down where they could have kicked a short field goal. And that's kind of what, like watching that, it just, that's kind of what it felt like the rice offense special teams combo is now become. It was like a, well, we're just going to go for it unless we get, like, inside the 10. Yep. Well, Which, and that's, like, with an offense that runs like this, both stylistically and just in terms of, like, the margins they're facing this year, like, that makes a lot of sense. Like, there's a reason I had been so, like, high on the fact that they had done that this year is because, like, that's just smart coaching. And I don't know why in this one moment, and it's funny because, like, Sometimes coaches just sort of seize up and fall back on bad sort of old timey coach think habits in like high pressure moments. This was not a high pressure moment. This was the first offensive drive of the game for Rice. I don't. Yeah. I just I don't. And I don't know. Maybe there are some coaches that that need the pressure of the moment to go for that. Like I, as an Alabama fan, I I, I always think about Saban that he. Um, 
in the high pressure moments, the high leverage moments, big games, close games, stuff like that, he's always willing to go for it when he needs to. But sometimes he's too conservative in just like the standard run of play. Um, but that really hadn't been Bloomgren's MO either. Like they had just been going for it on fourth and down left and right when yeah. it was when it was uh, the right you know situation as far as like field position down and distance. So I just given everything like not even just like in, in terms of the pure math and like win percentage stuff, it is obviously the right call to go for it on that fourth and one like in near the red zone or in just inside the red zone. But even just in terms of like the decision-making, what the decisions they had made over the last few weeks, if you had come to me the day before the game and said, Hey, this is going to happen on the first drive. Do you think they'll go for it? I would have said, yes, absolutely. Like no chance they don't. So it was just, I, I don't know. I just, I, I do not understand that either from a logical perspective or from a like, basing it on their past decision-making perspective. No, it, it didn't make any sense. Um, that, that was the, that was the biggest gripe that I had. Um, I, and I don't know, just kind of watching this game. I, it was kind of be, befuddling to see it in the way that it did. Just because the, the secondary has become so leaky and that doesn't really make sense. And I don't, I don't know if there is a solution. You're, yeah. you're playing the best guys that you have. Nobody is, is getting behind you. That I can remember you're keeping the guys in front, but there's just so much space in the middle of the field. Uh, that's really what it comes down to. And Yeah, it's that was a like and and I think. I think Chris Reynolds has proven himself as a very good college quarterback. Uh, he's the guy he was the guy that, you know, we weren't sure was going to be the starter coming into this year and and beat out a transfer from uh, James Foster from Texas A&M. And kind of held off the job. And we saw Foster last week out for Charlotte. And he was not good. The offense was not the same without Reynolds under center. And so we saw Reynolds come in and, and you know, for the most part, when he had time, looked pretty well. And that is what, what terrifies me. Because Rice yeah. plays Western Kentucky next week. Yeah, I was going to say, like, Chris Reynolds is a pretty good college quarterback. Uh, he's not Bailey Zappi, who is, who is uh, going to be here this weekend. Uh, and if they couldn't stop Reynolds from throwing for 10 yards a pop with three touchdowns, uh, might be a long day against, uh, the HBU North as we've been calling them. So, <laughs> but then I don't know, this team has gotten blown out and played embarrassing games and given up 34 points to Texas Southern and done all sorts of embarrassing and weird things this year. And then they also became the only CUSA team to beat UAB in Birmingham since they restarted the program. So I don't know, like, <laughs> based on their general performance this year, they might just go out and, and beat Western Kentucky by two touchdowns on Saturday. I don't know. It is Apparently, it is, they only seem to show up when their backs are absolutely against the wall. And, that, I mean, that's, that's where they are right now. Like, they talk the entire time. 
this season will be a success if they go bowling and they are three and six. Yeah. Which uh, means like... you have to win out. And so, you know, we're going to know by the time we're sitting here next week, whether or not this bold dream is a reality or if it's done like it's one way or another, they will have won or they will have lost. I mean, I guess we've decided the ties are not an outcome, right? Uh, so there's yes. that. Uh, I think there was one thing we hadn't hit on. Uh, they, the lost in North Texas, they had 16 penalties, which was the high of any game under Bloomgren. There were there were less penalties in this game for Rice. They uh, what did they the total end up being? Twelve. Uh, that's twelve. Oh, did it get that high? Shoot, yeah, less, but mind. not a whole lot less. Never mind. Uh, for I thought 107. Was, I thought there were a couple penalties in particular that were just very inopportune. <laughs> like yeah. when they were when they happened, there was the uh, I think there was a, the, a false start or a, a delay of game or false start. Which one was it? And the red zone that backed them up from the what the three yard line to the eight yard line or something like that. The five to the ten that that was significant. Uh, a personal foul. There was a just a couple things here and there and that. That's something, I mean, I guess the, that's on the coaching staff ultimately to fix, but, and we've said that Rice is not, they, this team is not good enough to have, to give, be giving away that much margin. No, this is not 2001 Miami that can smack the talk their way into 12 taunting penalties a game and still beat you by 45. Like, yeah, it's just. That and there's just there's just, just no no excuse for that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, you just can't be making those kind of mistakes. Penalties have to get cleaned up. Uh, uh, offense, if you go out and do that again, I feel pretty confident about it. I think all all, all together, uh, you ran the ball well, threw the ball well. Uh, they could have been better on third down. I think they had some opportunities there that that missed but still converted seven for 17, which is pretty good. And when you have yeah. the fourth down offense that Rice does. They were uh, better than Charlotte on third down. Yeah, Charlotte ended up being three for nine. Wow. You How, how do you win a game with three third down conversions? I mean, when you go three for nine, that means you uh, were Didn't converting, have third, a, right. yeah, converting yeah. a whole lot on first and second down. Yeah, so... Just disappointing. And had this been the the off day, you know, the oh man, Rice beat North Texas, they'd beaten UAB, this weird fluke just fell apart at the end against Charlotte. We'd be frustrated, but like willing to kind of look past it. But like we mentioned, the second game lost in the same way by almost the exact same score. Yeah, it just it's it's brutal to watch this stuff keep happening. Anyway, let's please stop talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's that's all we have on this one. Uh, there's not much more to say. There's a game next week. They play Western Kentucky. Uh, it's at home, I guess, which is less ideal. Apparently, Rice plays better on the road in conference play, but eventually they got to win. Yeah, who knows, man? 
they got to win one of these at home. You would you would think, right? Maybe. Um, Jake Constantine's a baller. Him yeah, throwing an interception to end overtime was kind of unfortunate, but uh, it, it's wild to me that Rice has, you know, gone through this rotating wheel of quarterbacks this season and and found a good one. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the thing is it's like. Uh, if you told me that they were going to go through this wheel of quarterbacks and end up with a good one and get good quarterback play and still be this horribly maddening, uh, frustrating, inconsistent team, I don't like. This is not. Uh, I, I I thought they were this level of quarterback play away from being a CUSA contender, but uh, some other things have gone wrong despite the quarterback part going well, mostly. Yeah, I was looking through that because we were debating what was more likely Rice having at the beginning of the season. I asked you in our one of our uh, games, what's more likely to happen? Rice has a top five offense in Conference USA or they have a top three defense. That was kind of what we were mulling over. Let's go check. I'm curious which one is higher because I couldn't tell you. Uh, the shutouts are going to hurt the offensive numbers. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. 11th ranked scoring offense, 20.4 per game. Uh, you exclude the one where they got blanked <laughs> and you're at 25 ish a game, which puts you you're you're middle of the road. Like, yeah. Right below. And if we look at scoring defense, I'm just looking just at conference games right, right. now. Uh, you have the eighth scoring defense at 29.8 points per game. Um, so the offense is five to six spots lower than we thought it might have been. And the defense is five to six spots lower than we thought it would have been. And both of those things happening at the same time is why we are where we are. Yep. So there's that. Let's... uh. Wash our hands of it. Hopefully we're um, having the same, I don't know, uh, relief elation next week that we were after UAB, but I'm not going to count on that lightning striking twice in one season. Uh, I just want so, no overtime. Just be done. Yeah, Wash please, my no, hands. Just be done with it in, in, in regulation, please. Yeah, that's all I ask. Yeah, I think that's all we got. Do, should we... Uh, we cap it there and yeah we'll have um if if next week goes as poorly as we fear it might uh then we can use that time for uh discussing some other topics that we have on the burner uh and if it doesn't then we won't care about those other things because we'll be excited to discuss a another absurd upset win so uh we can call it there a nice tight 35 minutes look at us delivering you uh, uh, uh a nice efficient podcast we're finally uh just like the rice offense we are finally rounding into some efficiency here <laughs> on the podcast in terms of minutes only so, took uh, us 99 episodes yeah this is 99 so uh what a time for 100 to be next <laughs> week uh because yeah mark your calendars you won't want to miss it one way or another <laughs> uh it's gonna be going to be interesting in uh, one way or the other.
So uh, we will see y'all next week for episode number 100. Hopefully it's a good one, but it should be interesting regardless. Uh, but we'll see y'all then and rice fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.